Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Don't you enjoy those good Christmas hymns? I, I enjoy them. I really do. Uh, you can call them carols, you can call them hymns, whatever you like, but uh, they're just good. And uh, uh, many of them, in fact, the ones in our songbook, teach good doctrine. Uh, God in flesh appearing, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And uh, uh, what, a, what a blessing it is to, to, to sing songs that uh, teach good doctrine. Uh, by the way, can I tell you this, that most of the contemporary junk that's coming out today, uh, not all of it, but most of it, and when I say contemporary, I'm talking about stuff that is being written, whether it be good music or bad music, whatever, uh, it's, just, uh, it's just weak, weak stuff. It's not like what we get in our songbook. And I'm not saying there aren't any good things being written, because there are. But, uh, but they're few and far between, and uh, it's good. One of the ways you can tell good Christian music is it teaches you good doctrine and reinforces what you believe. Let's all stand together. You should be at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 by now. And look with me in verses 3 through 6. When we get down to verse 6, I want us to read that verse together out loud in unison. Verse 3 says... For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let's read verse 6 together. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience, when your obedience is fulfilled. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, it's good to be here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the good testimonies that we've heard. Thank you, Lord, for the, the, uh, the, the good songs that we're able to sing and lift our voices up and praise you. As, as we come to your word, may we come to your word with a reverent attitude. May we come to your word with an expectant attitude. May we expect you to speak to our hearts. May we expect you to take the Word of God by the Spirit of God and do a work that only you can do. Uh, Father, uh, we just pray that you would work through this message, through this time together. May this be a profitable time, and may you work upon our hearts. And as you do, may we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. According to this passage of Scripture, every, every person who is saved is at war. But the war is not a physical war, it's a, it's a spiritual war, and our weapons are not our bare hands, they're not guns, they're not bombs, they're not, nothing like that. The weapons of our warfare are, are not carnal, they're not physical, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, strongholds are, are things that are built up in our, in our hearts and minds that are detrimental to our service to God, detrimental to our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, and those strongholds need to be pulled down. And, he talk, and God talks about imaginations, uh, and um, he talks about imaginations and just really anything 
that, that would uh, uh, put itself ahead of Jesus Christ, anything that would make itself preeminent. And the, the captives in this warfare are thoughts. And it, it, it's not our actions, it's our thoughts. And the reason why that is, though, though we might have sinful actions in our lives, those sinful actions are a result of bad thoughts. You bring the, the thoughts into captivity of Christ, and those actions, those sinful actions, disappear and go away. Uh, the reason why we do what we do, the reason why we sin the way that we do, is because our thoughts are in the wrong place, and the world, the flesh, and the devil have, have taken our thoughts captive. Uh, you, you go over to, and you don't need to turn there, but Revelation chapter 2, 2 and 3, uh, God addresses seven churches. And, and the, the seven churches in Asia, and the first one is the church at Ephesus. And in verses 1 through 4, he talks about the Ephesian church. And they're doing all the right things. And yet God said that he has somewhat against them, and the reason why he had something against them, somewhat against them, was that they had left their first love. What is that? That has to do with your thought life. That has to do with your heart. That has to do with your affections. And they had left their first love. Uh, we need to make sure that, that our, our, our thoughts are captive, but they're captive by Jesus Christ. Now, now notice, I, I just think it's, it's an interesting verse, an interesting way that God puts this. Uh, after, after he says that we cast down imaginations and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, after we have done that, in verse 6 it says, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, once, once you have been obedient to God, then it's time for the next step. And the next step is revenge. Now you say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, preacher. Uh, God's people aren't supposed to get, vengeance, get vengeful. God's people aren't supposed to uh, uh, get revenge. Well, uh, it depends upon what you're getting revenge on. Uh, what is revenge? Revenge is simply getting back at someone or something for what they did for you. Here's, here's some expanded, I got this from, from Webster's 1828 Dictionary, some expanded uh, definitions of vengeance and revenge. Vengeance as a noun. The infliction of pain on another in return for an injury or offense, such an infliction, when it proceeds from malice or more resentment and is not necessary for the purposes of justice, is revenge and a most heinous crime. When such inf uh, infliction proceeds from a mere love of justice and the necessity of punishing offenders for the support of the laws, it is vengeance and is warrantable and just. In, in this case, vengeance is a just retribution, recompense, or punishment. In this latter sense, the word is used in Scripture and frequently applied to the punishments inflicted 
by God on sinners. In other words, there are times when God shows vengeance on those who disobey him. Uh, revenge as a verb to inflict pain or injury in return for an injury received. Uh, to vindicate by punishment of an enemy. Uh, revenge is a noun. Return of an injury, the, the deliberate infliction of pain or injury or a, or a person in return for an injury received from him. According to a, a modern usage, a malicious or spiteful infliction of pain or injury contrary to the laws of, of, of justice uh, in, in, re, or, or in Christianity in return for an injury or offense. Uh, revenge is dictated by passion, vengeance by, by justice. And uh, so you say, well, well, what are you talking about? Well, first of all, uh, revenge is never allowed for us when it comes to people. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Don't get nervous. Don't think I'm telling you, go ahead and get that guy who got you, because that's, that's not where I'm going tonight. Over to, to Romans chapter 12, and verses 19 through 21. Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 21. It says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place under wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay saith the Lord. Now this is all talking about our relationship with other people. When it comes to those kind of things, don't you touch vengeance. Don't you touch revenge. That is not your department. That is not your responsibility. God will take care of you. You don't need to do it. Verse 20 says, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, do just the opposite. Uh, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst." Give him drink, for in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, now, so revenge is wrong, but it's wrong when it's against people. But you go back with me, go back to, to 2 Corinthians 10. In 2 Corinthians 10, down in verse... Down in verse 6, it says, And in having a readiness to revenge all disobedience. Whose disobedience? Yours. You have, you have an opportunity to bring vengeance upon sin. And you can't do it against people. It's wrong to do it against people. But you can do it against sin. Did you notice in those definitions a couple of times it, it said that, uh, that revenge was going after an enemy. Can I tell you something? Sin is absolutely never, never, never your friend. Never your friend. Sin is always out to get you. Sin will always hurt you. Sin will always harm you. But according to these, these passages, it's, it's possible to get vengeance on sin, on the thing that has hurt you so much, on the thing that has brought you so much sorrow and so much grief. Take your Bibles and turn backwards a little bit from 2 Corinthians 10 to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians 7. There was a situation 
in the Corinthian church. And a man was caught in some pretty, pretty wicked and vile sin. And in 1 Corinthians, Peter, or, uh, Paul tells him to, uh, to uh, discipline that person, to put, them, put, put him out, to, to really uh, distance themselves from him because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And the, the purpose of the distancing was not, not as much so much to punish as it was to shame so that eventually uh, he, would, he would turn around and repent. Well, lo and behold, you come to 2 Corinthians, and in 2 Corinthians, that's exactly what that guy did. They, they responded properly. They took Paul's advice, and he responded properly. He repented of his sin, and he was restored back to the fellowship. And now what, what, what Paul is telling them is, is that, listen, uh, now that that has taken place, uh, you, you can do something further. And, and he talks about the difference between godly sorrow and, and uh, uh, worldly sorrow. Look down at verses 10 and 11. It says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sor- sorrow of the world worketh death. Then you get down to verse 11. It says, For behold, this selfsame thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. Now, not only did that guy get right, but the Corinthians got right in some areas that Paul brought up in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians was just really rebuke after rebuke after rebuke. And uh, many of them responded properly and, and, and repented of their sin and turned from it. It says, For behold, the selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. Hmm, revenge. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Now, if you've got godly sorrow, godly sorrow just simply means that you're sorry that you sinned against God. It's not just that you uh, are sorry that you got caught. It's not that you're sorry that there were consequences to your sin. You're sorry for what you've done to God and what very possibly you've also done damage that you've done to other people. Worldly sorrow is just, I'm sorry I got caught and I don't like the circumstances that I have to live with today. Boy, there's a real big difference between those, those two types of sorrow. And then, then he goes on and he explains what godly sorrow does and what godly sorrow works. Uh, it, it does this. It causes you to, to have carefulness. Carefulness is just caution. Uh, when, when you really repent of something, okay, uh, and, and, and your heart's, your heart's sorrowful, and it's a godly sorrow, you, you don't want to get anywhere near that sin again. And so what happens is it causes you to put up some cautions. If you know that there are certain things that would lure you back into that sin, if you have godly sorrow, you will, you will do preventative measures 
to stop yourself from, from getting, getting in, sucked back into that sin. Uh, it, you know, the Bible says, uh, make no provision for the things of the flesh. Well, you know what your flesh is susceptible to. Every one of us is different in that area. Uh, there's things that some of you are more susceptible to than I am. There's things that I'm more susceptible to than you are. But where you know that's the case, then you be cautious when you have godly sorrow. And then it says clearing of yourselves. Clearing of yourselves means, means restitution where it's necessary and a clean conscience. That means you have a, like Paul used to say over and over and over again, he said, I've got a, I've got a clear conscience be, be, before God and before man. He's saying there's nothing that God can point to in my life that's not resolved where I've sinned against him. There's nothing that a person on this earth can't point to, can point to, that uh, I've not gotten right, that I've not repented of, that I've done everything I could to make that thing right between uh, myself and them. Godly sorrow also causes indignation. What's indignation? Well, indignation is, is anger with contempt. Is it, is it good for a uh, Christian to be angry? Yes. Yes, it is. It really is. But not at people. And not at circumstances. It's good for you to be angry at sin. And, you, and sin ought to bother you. You know, you know what our problem is today? Sin doesn't bother us anymore. And we can, we can get into it and get into it and get into it, and you get calloused. And it just doesn't, doesn't break us. It doesn't bother us. When we have godly sorrow, it brings forth indignation. And along with that, with that indignation is fear. It says indignation and fear. What that fear is, it's not, not a fear of people. It's, it, it's, it's not even in this particular case talking about just strictly a fear of God, although I'm sure that that is involved in it. But it's talking about being fearful of the sin and what sin can do to us and how sin can ruin us. And then, then the, the next thing that the Bible says that it, that it works is godly sorrow works vehement desire. Vehement desire. That just simply means a zeal, means a strong desire to oppose it, to, to go against it, to fight it. And then the last thing is revenge. And that's really what this message is about. It's about how to get godly revenge. How to get godly revenge. Revenge is to get back at. Now again, you don't get back at people. By the way, can I tell you something? According to Ephesians chapter 6, people are not your problem. The world, the flesh, and the devil are your problem. Uh, but, the, but, 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 but people themselves as, as, as individuals, that's not, the, that's not the real problem that you have. The problem you have are spiritual things, spiritual forces that are against you and sin that is against you and sin that lures you and you ought, you, you ought to have a vehement desire to get back at that sin for what it's done, done to you. Now, how do you do that? You know, how, do you, how do you get revenge on sin? There's, there's some ways I think you can do this. Number one, you can, you can get, get back at sin by winning people to Jesus Christ. And you know why, why that's getting back at sin? 
Because when you win people to Christ and when you witness to others and you see other people get saved, then you're snatching people from the one who would love to destroy you, the devil. Uh, The Bible says before we're saved, we're children of whom? Well, we're not children of God. You know, you hear this, and you'll hear a lot of it Christmas Christmas Day. Well, we're all children of God. No, we're not. There's children of the devil, and there's children of God. Before I got saved, I was a child of the devil. And once I got saved, I was brought into the family of God. Praise the Lord for that. But you know, one of the ways you can get revenge against sin, you can get revenge against sin by being a witness to people and seeing other people come to know Christ as their Savior. Another way that we can, that we can uh, uh, get revenge, take your Bibles and turn to uh, Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is the prayer of repentance that David prayed when he admitted his sin with Bathsheba and also the slaying of her husband. And um, he repented of that thing, and that's, that's what we get privy to in Psalm 51 is this prayer of repentance. And look with me in verses 7 through 12. It says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter, whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Of course, that can't happen today. But look in verse 12. He says, he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. And then he says, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. He said, he said uh, once I have repented and once my, my sin is taken care of and I've turned from it, he said, then I can turn around and I can help others who have it, it, had been struggling with the same things. Help others that have the same problem. Uh, and and verse, verse 13, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. You know what that verse is right there? That's revenge. <laughs> That's revenge. That's getting back at sin. I mean, it's good to be cleansed. It's good to be clean. But it's even better to get back at that sin that got you. And the way you can get back at it is, is by godly revenge. And, it, and that is by, by winning people to Christ by helping others who have the same problem, and by keeping others from sin. You see someone who's, who's struggling, uh, be a blessing to them, be a help to them, be an encouragement to them. You know someone who is weak in a particular area. And by the way, you know usually how you, can, how you can detect when someone is weak in an area or why you can detect it? Because oftentimes it's because you and I have the same problem. Uh, when, when you struggle with something personally 
it's easier for you to see those kind of struggles in somebody else. Uh, if you've ever, if you've ever uh, fought with uh, depression, or and I don't mean the real, it could be the real serious stuff, it could just be, you know, days when you're down. Uh, when, when, you, when you have those kind of struggles and you, and, and you see somebody else who's down, it doesn't take you very long to figure it out. They could even have a smile on your face and you can see right through it. Why? Well, because you struggled with it. And so God has placed you there so that you can be a help and a blessing to them so that you can prevent them from going down the same road that you went. And when you do that, you, you get revenge on that sin that's gotten you. Pardon, pardon my, you know, my, my uh, uh, crass kind of, of speech for just a moment, but wouldn't you like to just give sin a good swift kick in the pants? I mean, think about it. What has sin ever done for you? You know what it's done for me? It's brought me sorrow. It's brought me tears. It's brought me hurt. It's, it's uh, brought me uh, uh, conflicts and difficulties with people I love. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it's put me in dangerous positions. A sin has done all of that for all of us and done, done all that to all of us. But, but uh, we have an opportunity when you have godly sorrow, you have an opportunity to give sin a fit. And the way you can do that is by getting godly revenge. Uh, how do you, you know, you do that by, by, by helping teach someone else how to get victory over a habit. You know, it's good that before you got saved, uh, you were doing some things that you shouldn't have done, and now that you're saved, you don't do those things anymore. Okay, that's good. That's a blessing. Uh, those things uh, are, no longer have predominance in your life. What have you done, however, to teach others how to avoid that kind of stuff? You know, um, one, of the, one of the jobs that our Sunday school teachers, master club workers, and, and uh, junior church people, one of the jobs that they have is to make sin di uh, distasteful in the, in, in the eyes of our kids. Uh, and the reason why, you know, one of the reasons why we have, we have, we have uh, adults and, and some even uh, older teenagers who, who from time to time teach our kids, uh, we don't have, you know, seven and eight-year-old kids teaching one another. And you know the reason why? Because the adults have learned some things. The adults have been through some stuff. Uh, you have seen what sin can do. You know, you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to warn others. I'm, I'm always suspicious, and it always bothers me, when someone has had a struggle in their life, and yet they refuse to tell anybody what struggle they had, and because they don't want to seem vulnerable, they don't want to, they say, I don't want to bring up the, the, the dregs of the past. I don't want you to bring up the dregs of the past either. But we had, a, we had a guy out in Green Bay years ago who he had a real rough life before he got saved. And he got saved. And God really blessed him and, and turned, turned things around for him, gave him a good wife, gave him, gave him a couple of kids. And I mean, really a blessing. 
preacher went up to him one day and said, you know, and called him by name and said, I know what you went through because you've told me what you went through with, uh, you know, in your, in your younger years. And he says, you know what, it would be good. It would be good for you without going through the details and all that kind of stuff, but it would be good for you to, to stand in front of our kids, our teenagers and our junior church kids, and just tell them without going, again, without going into details, but let them know the struggles you had and how Jesus Christ gave you the victory. And he said, absolutely not. No, I'm not doing that. And I'm talking about a good guy. I'm talking about a, a guy who, who loved the Lord and everything. He absolutely refused to do that. Um, kind of makes me wonder, was there really godly sorrow? Or was it maybe I'm just sorry I got caught? One of the, one of the significations of godly sorrow is you want to get revenge on the sin. And one of the ways you can do that is by helping others, helping someone else conquer rebellion that you fought uh, in your own life. Helping you, you have a weakness in your life, and God has given you the victory over that weakness. Listen, let me tell you something. He did not just give you the victory just for you. He gave you the victory so that you could pass that on to somebody else. Uh, maybe, you know, you've had, you've had a problem in the past with covetousness. What covetousness will always bring is financial trouble. And if it's not conquered. And maybe you've been through that. Well, you know what? You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to take that victory that he has given you. If you're on the victory side, now if you're still struggling with the thing, and, and, and you know, and I'm not saying, I'm not even saying that you have to have total victory all the time that you never slip and fall. I'm saying, you know that God has given you victory. You know God has helped you through that thing. You're better off now than you were before. Okay, so go find someone else who's struggling with a similar type of problem and help them. Maybe you've had a problem with immorality. Help somebody else that's got a problem with immorality because God has given you victory. Maybe you've got a problem with bitterness. Maybe you had a problem with it. And you had godly sorrow about your bitterness. All right, that's good, and it's good that God gave you the victory, but don't let it stop there. Have some indignation against the sin. And one of the ways you can show your indignation is, is by, by, uh, by uh, get, having some, some godly, some biblical revenge against it. Um, and you know a good place to start? A good place to start is with your family. Uh, dads and moms, you need to let your kids, you need to be transparent with your kids. You need to let your kids know what struggles you've had. And let me tell you why that's so important, particularly in the family. Because if you've had those struggles, whether you know it or not, you have passed on that tendency to your kids. The same struggles that you have are struggles that your kids will have. I, I've heard this, and I've said this, many times before, I didn't originate it. But what the parents allow in moderation, the children will do in excess. I have seen that. I have watched that. I've watched that in my own life. And uh, one of the things that God wants us to do as parents is to, to train and teach our kids so that they won't go down some of the same paths 
that we have gone down. And what that is, is that's biblical revenge. There was a, years ago, there was a mother who uh, had a boy. And uh, that boy had a dad, and, and uh, a dad and a mom, and the dad was a drunk. The dad was, 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 was mean. He was nasty. He was mean to mom. He was mean to the kid. Just, just a mean fella. And, uh, and drunk most of the time. And uh, his mom was a godly lady. And she decided that she did not want her son to go down the path that the father had gone down. And so what she did was she started to train her son. And she would go and she would get uh, magazines and, and cut some things out of the magazine. If there was a if there was an uh, advertisement for booze, she cut the booze bottle out. If there was an advertisement for cigarettes, she cut the cigarettes out. And she would put them on, the, uh, on a pile on the table. And she would train her son. And the way she'd do that is she'd say, she'd say son, uh, and she'd pick up the pack of cigarettes. Now, it's not a real pack of cigarettes, but it was a picture. And she'd say, wouldn't you like to have a cigarette? And she trained him to say no. And so she would say, son, wouldn't you like a cigarette? He said, no. He said, son, you really need to try a cigarette. He said, no. And then, then he, he would he'd take, that, he would take that picture of the cigarettes, throw it on the floor, and stomp on it. And say, no, 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 cigarettes, bad. She trained him to do that. Did it with booze. Did it with booze. That guy never touched a a cigarette to his lips. He never put booze to his lips. And he ended up being a preacher, building a big church, and, and glorifying God and seeing a bunch of people get saved. Now, why did that happen? Because mom got revenge. She didn't get revenge on dad. She had a very, very godly attitude about her husband. She didn't, get, she didn't get revenge on him, but she got revenge on the sin. She got revenge on the sin because that sin never touched her son. Can you have, can you have a vengeful, revenging spirit? Yes, but only in one direction. <laughs> and that's toward sin in your life and in the lives of others. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father... Help us, God, to love the good and to hate the evil. And we will, we will never have a vengeful spirit against sin if we don't hate evil. Now, we, we're not supposed to hate people, and we shouldn't hate people. But God, we sure can hate what hurts people. We sure can hate what hurts us, and that's sin, and that's evil. Lord, I think that one of the problems that we have in America today is that as Christians, we're, we're not stirred up about this stuff. You know, we, we, we allow you to give us, give us the victory in areas in our life, but then we don't take it the next step, and we don't teach others. 
We don't, don't take it the next step. We don't get revenge on the sin. And yet, your Bible makes it very, very clear that, uh, that we, it's right, and not only is it right, but it's part of godly sorrow to get revenge on that sin by being a help and a blessing to others. Maybe there's someone here tonight that is struggling with something. I pray that tonight you give them the victory. Help them to confess it and help them to go through those steps that we just looked at here a moment ago with about godly sorrow. And Lord, give them the opportunity to steer some young person, steer, steer some peer, uh, be a, uh, away, from, away from sin, to, to, to uh, help someone else avoid even walking into it for the very first time. God, uh, as God, as your people, we need to hate sin and we need to desire to have vengeance upon it. God, work that into our hearts tonight. Speak to our hearts tonight. And uh, maybe, maybe, Lord, we just don't hate sin the way that we ought to hate sin tonight. Help us, God, to, to get the right attitude about it. Father, the reason why uh, any of us struggle with certain things is because we don't hate it. We don't have the right attitude about it. So God, uh, help us tonight in this area. And we'll be careful to give you the honor and the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.